At Urban Farm Podcast, we are all about education, and April is Foliar Feeding Month. Have you heard of it? It is a super simple application of spraying liquid organic fertilizer on your trees and garden plants. The leaves, branches, and trunks are incredible at absorbing nutrients. And if your soil isn't great or your pH is off, foliar feeding is a quick and long-lasting fix to get your plants the nutrients they need. Want to learn more? Join us for our free online webinar on how to apply this amazing process to your gardens and fruit trees. Visit urbanfarm.org to sign up. That's urbanfarm.org. Decades ago, I started growing food in my front and backyard, and I realized that my mission in life is to inspire and empower others to grow their own nutrient-dense, healthy, organic food. Because of this, a lot of people have come to me with their gardening questions over the years, and that got me thinking, what if we put together a community that would help budding gardeners blossom? So I finally made the idea a reality with my Urban Farm U member program. Each month, your membership includes three live online events, a monthly class, a chit-chat with an expert, and a monthly coaching session, plus access to the experts on our member page and a significant discount on our signature courses. I'm deeply committed to transforming our global food system, and I do this by empowering you to grow your own food. The Urban Farm Membership Program is a simple way to get going. Please join me in transforming your food system today. To learn more, go to urbanfarmmembership.org or text membership to 33444. That's urbanfarmmembership.org or text membership to 33444. You're listening to the Urban Farm Podcast, your partner in the Grow Your Own Food Revolution. Whether you've just been introduced to urban farming or you're a lifelong advocate, we're sure you'll leave feeling more informed, equipped, and empowered to dig deeper into the soil of your local food economy. With you every step of the way, here's your host, Greg Peterson. Today on the Urban Farm Podcast, we have Simon Huntley of Small Farm Central to talk about his experience with marketing a farm online. Simon grew up on a small farm in the hills of southwestern Pennsylvania before pursuing a degree in information sciences and technology at Penn State University. Soon after college, Simon helped a longtime fruit farmer expand his operation to include vegetable production and a CSA program. This project grew to serve five farmers markets and 130 member CSA. During his tenure at the farm, Simon took advantage of his education to develop a highly interactive website for the CSA. In retrospect, this was a prototype for what Small Farm Central would eventually become. After leaving the farm in the fall of 2006, Simon started Small Farm Central with a core group of 10 farmers from across the country. In four years, Small Farm Central grew to serve more than 1,000 farmers across the U.S. and Canada. Outside of Small Farms Central, Simon is kept active by his two young sons, Elliot and Theo, and the 70-acre family farm that is still in the family. So there is a chance of returning to growing food someday. Welcome to the show today, Simon. Thanks, Greg, for having me. Really excited to speak with you and your audience. Nice, and I'm, I'm really excited to hear about what you're up to. 
So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at now? Yeah, so I do have a background in farming. I so I grew up on a small farm in southwestern Pennsylvania, and uh, about a seventy-acre farm uh, down in that area. And my parents were never full-time farmers. We uh-huh. did a lot of probably more of a homestead kind of thing, but we did sheep and sold them and hay and a big garden and chickens and pigs and oh maple, you know, maple syrup. Oh, and, nice, oh, nice just all that stuff yeah and um and that is actually still in my family so uh, and i'm an only child so <laughs> actually it will be my farm eventually here wow but, so yeah so that's sort of where i started and of course as a kid i wanted nothing to do with the farm and of i'd uh, you know wake up at wake up early on when i imagine all my friends were like sleeping in on saturday morning i had to wake up early and <laughs> go split firewood or you know whatever oh, right. it is but so anyway, I wanted nothing to do with the farm, and uh, one way that I sort of channeled that was really getting interested in computers and programming, and uh-huh. you know, I'd like make games and wow. know, just whatever I could do growing up with programming, and so I was always really interested in that, and so I ended up studying technology in college, uh-huh. but along the way as I left, I sort of realized, no, maybe there is something in this farming thing. <laughs> Where's the um, farm at? It's it's about seventy miles south of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Ah, okay. So sort of the you know, it's basically Appalachian Appalachian Mountains, hills of uh-huh. Appalachia. It's it's wooded, very hilly, seventy acre farm. There's maybe three or four acres of flat land there. It's old sort of sheep farming uh, country, very rural. Oh right. And, uh, but but Pittsburgh's sort of the city, about an hour and a half away. Got it. So technology. Yes. So technology, you know, so as I got into college, I got a little bit more interested in what was going on in agriculture at that point. So this would have been early 2000s mm-hmm. and, you know, CSAs were starting. And, oh, yes. Well, they weren't just starting, but they were starting to gain a little bit more speed or I was becoming interested in them. I worked on the campus farm a little bit. I added a, a minor in agribusiness. Mm. Uh, nice. Maybe agribusiness isn't the way it was called. But anyway, something like that. Uh-huh. And worked on some farms during the summers. And so I was just getting sort of reinterested in that and, and trying to understand what was, you know, uh, what was going on. And is, is, is that something that I can bring? Could I bring technology and agriculture together? I mean, even at that time, oh. I was starting to think about it. So that was, that was like 2003, 2004? Yeah, I would have gra- wow. I graduated high school in 2001, so would have been right after that. Wow. So you were thinking about this technology thing early. Yeah, you know, it's funny to think back now. I remember I had to do a project for one of my programming classes and I forget what the exact project was, but I basically developed some like online farmers market for <laughs> for farms. It wasn't grounded in reality really and it couldn't have worked. But but it is sort of funny to think that now I'm still doing that. Basically. Yeah, well, those, those are the seeds of to where you got today. Because really, in technology, this kind of stuff, social media, 13 years ago, that's ancient times. Right. In the whole, you know, in the whole technology scope. Right. And you were thinking about it back then. Wow, how cool is that? So as I graduated, I um, graduated from college and just really realized that I wanted to work on a farm for a couple seasons or mm-hmm. at least one season. And that, that sort of was a goal in my head. Um, and so with my now wife and I, we, we did Woof, Willing Workers on Organic Farms. Yes, yes. I know the Woofing uh, program. Yeah. And so we ended up 
working for a farmer in western Colorado and we planned to go for a week and ended up staying for two years <laughs> and, <laughs> and so it was a really great experience um, really good farmer and he was a fruit farmer but he was starting a CSA a vegetable growing operation starting a CSA at that point point. Uh-huh. and so we got to be there right at the beginning and he really needed someone who could you know take that and run with it to uh-huh. some extent so we got this opportunity to really to really run with it and take a leadership role in that nice um, and so yeah so that's that's yeah that's where i got some more production experience and and really started to understand what's going on with uh, local farms and then after that that's when i started small farm central wow so tell us about small farm central it sounds i, I was on the website a little while ago it looks and sounds fascinating what are you up to yeah, so uh, a lot of things. <laughs> We're always doing a lot of things. We do uh-huh. do a lot with a little, <laughs> a, a pretty small staff. Um, so let's see. When I started, I started with a small problem. I knew that farms needed websites, and there really was no. And this is 2005, 2006, uh-huh. right? Right. This is, a, lot, a lot of things have changed. Oh my God! In, yes. In the intervening ten years, but but at that point there was no WordPress and there was no I don't even know if there was like Blogspot or you know they, they, there weren't many options behind besides just going out and hiring a designer to do a website. Right. So I, that's too expensive. Farms can't afford that. I know enough <laughs> to be dangerous, and uh-huh. I can build some kind of like sort of template engine for farms mm-hmm. and uh, so that's what I started doing and that was and I'm still doing that yeah. uh, and that's that's that was the initial idea for small farm central just really solve this one problem really well so we do sort of it's like an out of the box website package for farms so they sign up with us we give them a design template we help them customize it but they can log in and add all of their own content their own pages their own photos make it look really nice but we just help farms hopefully have better businesses through you know selling themselves online right so that was the start of it and then have just added on other things along the way to get more um more complicated you know like online sales technology so Mm. we do a lot a lot of people with uh say buying clubs you know maybe if they just even are growing a few extra things in their you know backyard say in the summer maybe they'll go on and and sell those things on a weekly basis to people in their area and uh, so various things like that and then really what i've been focusing on the past probably five or six years is Mm -hmm. csa so i'm really involved with uh, csa farms and so we have a piece of software that csa farms use to manage that business take signups take payments deliver logistics statistics it's really big package all around the CSA uh, community supported agriculture model. Um, so that's I, that, that was good because I was going to ask you to kind of explain CSA. Uh, so dig in a little deeper about what CSAs are for our listeners that may yeah. not know that. <laughs> yeah, CSA or community supported agriculture. We have, so what CSA is, is uh, in essence, you get, you buy a membership in a farm mm-hmm. and you get a box of produce every week through the growing season. That's nice. probably the easiest way to think about yeah. it. So it's just a really good way to support local agriculture to, for a farm to, um, you know, think about it. If, if, if someone is thinking about starting a farm, this is a way to, guarantee that they're going to have a market down the run, down the line six right. months later or whatever. So oftentimes you sign up uh, as a member would sign up in the spring and they pay at least a little bit ahead of time. Uh-huh. 
maybe they pay throughout the season or installments or something like that. Um, but it's a way for it's a really important driver for the economic viability of small and medium scale farms. I think that's yeah. what it comes down to. And it's a great thing for customers too because they're getting that really quality product. They're getting a direct relationship with their farm. They should be getting sort of news from their farm so they can really understand what's going on on the farm. They should uh -huh. be invited out to the farm to visit, maybe do a you pick on the farm. Oh, yes, uh, nice. Bring the kids out. Uh -huh. There's a ton of different models for this, but it's it's a really excellent way you know to really have a direct involvement with agriculture yeah and it's a way for people to get involved yeah so and, it's a it's a community building piece for farmers number one and then what you do is you i guess you prepay uh, for your groceries yeah How yeah cool is that yeah i mean it's it's actually a really fascinating topic because it it started the first u s the first c s a in the United States was started thirty years ago to this year it's two thousand sixteen now and wow nineteen eighty six was the first season of c s a in the united states i believe it came i mean there did have been different concepts maybe before that in Japan and Europe. Uh -huh. I think it came over from Switzerland, That's I believe. That's what I think I remember hearing, yeah. Yeah, and then the first farms in uh, Massachusetts and Connecticut. Uh, there are two farms in 1986 that did it. Wow. And so at that time it was really, uh, <laughs> you know, really... Bleeding yeah, edge. Yeah, and this is in the middle of the farm crisis, right? So many right. farms were losing their land and, you know, it was really a way to... Uh, revive agriculture, but it was very idealistic at that yes. point. I mean, things have really changed. Um, but remember hearing about that CSA that everyone would pay what they felt like they could. So they would go around the room and sort of say, I can pay $400, I can pay $500, I can pay $600 until sort of the needs of the farm were met. And then there would be a work requirement to go and work oh, on the farm. Oh, right. Here. Yes, exactly. You know, and that doesn't usually exist in, <laughs> in most CSAs these days. Yeah. Oh, cool. So tell us a little more about your software. Your, is it an app? Yeah, it's it's web-based software, uh -huh. so everything happens through a, a browser. So it's not like a mobile app that you could download through the the app store or something. Right. But, yeah. So, yeah, from the farmer's side, they sign up with us and set up all their different parameters, like their pickup locations, the prices that they're going to sell. Nice. Uh, or, you know, uh, everything <laughs> that they can do to set it up and then they can put that out as a put that out on their website with us or just a little url they can send out and say hey click here to sign up and so members can go on there to sign up and then we handle the payments and nice. all everything they need to actually fulfill uh to fulfill that right fantastic so let's dig into small farm central a little bit more and so a question i have for you is if a farmer has zero online marketing right now what is the first thing you're going to have them do that's a really good question i i think that if they're only going to do one thing uh -huh. <laughs> i think a facebook page is a really great place to start oh yeah because it's free and really it's my favorite social networking platform social media platform for a farmer because that's where they're going to get a lot of engagement out of having a Facebook page. They can start posting photos, start posting some of the stories, get a little bit of a following, and it really takes almost no time to set up. Right. Now, if they're going to do a little bit more, I might suggest a website, email list, <laughs> different things like this. Uh, we, I know we'll be talking a little bit later about my book that outlines, outlines that in, in more detail. But I think really a Facebook page is a great place to start. Mm -hmm. It's super easy um, place to start. 
Got it. So what I like to tell people is that there are really two major aspects of being a farmer, really, you know, growing food for people. And that is the growing of the food. So when somebody comes to me and says, you know what, I want to be a farmer. And I say, why? And they say, because I want to grow food. I tell them that's only half of the process. The other half of the process is picking it, packaging it, marketing it, getting it to the people. And that's really what you help people do is the getting it out to people, right? Yeah. Yeah. One one little quote that I actually put in the intro to my book is that a farm without marketing is just a big compost pile. Um, and so I really do believe oh that. Oh, my gosh. If you can't sell what you grow, yep. good for you that you can grow it. And that, you know, I love growing things too. It's so fun to watch things come out of the ground and see what happens with them. And, you know, that's, it's a beautiful process. But if you don't sell it, you know, that's, <laughs> you don't have a business there, I that, guess is the best way to say it. Well, and if you don't, if you don't harvest it and use it, it's, you know, it's an exercise in futility. Yeah. yeah. And and I have to say that I've I've had that happen before. You know, you get a great crop and it's like if you're not prepared then you know, it goes to waste and I've had crops go to waste in the past. So yeah. what do you what do you do to help people overcome that piece of the process? Well, I I think one thing that I talk a lot, I mean, we haven't talked too much about my book yet, but I do one thing that I really recommend for people is this is something I totally get into with my software because it's sort of hard but is that people really need to understand their customer oh, first. Yes. like who who is your customer and what do they want like where and I think there are a lot of ways to do that either and I really encourage like phone calls with customers mm-hmm. and surveys and like for example we were talking a little bit about CSA I think mm-hmm. CSA is a great way to do that, it's not the end of understanding your customer, but it is one way to oh, yeah. sort of pre-sell what you're going to grow to make sure that you can sell it. Because that's 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 part of the battle. I mean, I think that CSA can actually be a little bit dangerous in some ways because you are sort of getting that money up front from people, uh-huh. and you have to be really careful that you do provide a really excellent product and yeah. a really excellent value for people, and that you're really upfront with people because there's some temptations there not to be i don't know maybe if you're selling a farmer's market to take your best product to the farmer's market and put your seconds in the csa box yeah and i that that's doesn't no good. happen often yeah but i'd really encourage anyone who's thinking about csa don't do that don't do that you know that's that's not that's not what you want to be doing yeah i know that's sort of a side tangent from what you said but no but, uh, but that, that's one reason i love csa is that you are you're able to do that marketing in the off season, you're uh-huh. able to understand what that far- customer needs in the off season. Then you can focus on the growing, the packing, the delivering in the season. And, you know, that's, that's one way to sort of mitigate that risk, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. One of my favorite things to tell people when they come to me, cause I, you know, I've been doing this for over 40 years and people come to me and they say, well, you know, if, if, if I was going to go out and grow food and I needed to look at the marketing piece first, it's like, ding, 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 good job what what would you suggest i do and i often will suggest that they find a chef or two and grow one or two things for that chef yeah you know it's like Great what idea. does it, what does the chef want and what could i grow for them and then you know start that as the process so that's you know that's a perfect way to get into the into the process of growing what do you think 
I, I love that. I think that's really great. I, I'm actually starting to uh, do some more production scale growing at my family farm. Uh-huh. And that's exactly the way that I'm going about it, too, is that I am going to chefs or cooperatives and saying to them, well, what what are the needs in the marketplace? Like, what is no one else doing right yes. now? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and like, I don't want to just me personally, I don't want to be like, going to farmers markets and doing that's just not where I am uh-huh. <laughs> in my life and doing that. But, but if we could grow a little bit and sell a little bit, yep. um, and start building. So, you know, I'm looking at maybe something a little long-term, like some orcharding, something that's going to take you oh, know, five, yes. 10 years to get in place, yep. but, but something that can really provide value in, in the long term. So yeah. yeah, I love that idea of there's a great, well, and actually I'm not sure if you've come across this book, but there's a book called Lean Farming by Ben Hartman. And he wrote the foreword to my book, actually. And um, he talks a lot about how, you know, when he looked at his, he he went from growing, uh, the numbers I don't know, but it was something like 60 crops down to growing like 15. Yep. Because he realized the 15 crops that he was actually making money growing. Exactly. So, you know, I, I think his book is great for for working from the demand, like starting with the demand and then working your production right. to meet that demand rather yeah. than, than trying to push it on people. Yeah. So we've danced around it a little bit. What's your book? Tell us about that. It's coming out October 3rd. Yes. October 3rd. It's called Cultivating Customers, A Farmer's Guide to Online Marketing. Mm-hmm. And so really it's a distillation of the work that I've been doing for the last over 10 years, working with thousands of farms on their marketing. And I provide a system for a farm to utilize this amazing asset that we have that is the internet yeah. to sort of find an audience and sell things. But I really, and there's there's millions of books about that, right? But there's really no, there's no one who's talked about it from a farmer's perspective. Exactly. That's really different. Yeah. Because I really, right, one, and I've given sessions at conf, uh, farming conferences mm-hmm. over all these years. So I'm, I've always been really conscious of the fact that I don't want to talk over people. A lot mm-hmm. of, you know, one thing that's really interesting, it's sort of a side tangent, but got this, I've heard this from a couple of farms. It's like, I got into farming because I want, you know, they were like, they worked in the cubicle and they got into farming because they wanted to have a simpler life. Yep. And now when they got into farming, they realized it's Not way so more complicated than their old life. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that internet marketing can sort of feel like that. It's like, I got out of, you know, the corporate world. So I didn't have to deal with Twitter and Facebook uh-huh. and, you know, all this stuff. And I can definitely understand that. Yeah. <laughs> I do understand that. I'm yeah. no like I'm not thrilled about social media myself and my in my personal life. But I, I do see that it's something that we can leverage for our businesses. Yeah. And and I'm like my passion is to have small and medium scale farmers be able to make a go at this and mm-hmm. make a living at this. Like that's what it's about for me. And um and so Marketing, like you said, is, is, is a big part of it. If you can grow everything you want, but if you can't sell it, uh, it doesn't matter. Doesn't. So, so I give a system for, for farms to use online marketing in a way that is recognizing that you only have a certain amount of time in the day, right? You got chores to do right. as well. And, and so we need the maximum impact in the minimum amount of time. And farmers can build these systems, and, and I give, give them a way to do that. Great. Tell us about it. Yeah, so one thing that I really encourage 
farmers to do is build a weekly communication schedule and that's mm. one of sort of my key my key things that i'm teaching now is that if you can just build in like an hour or two into your week that's your marketing time mm-hmm. you know say it's like tuesday morning from 9 to 11 you put it on your calendar you block that time out and okay maybe it doesn't happen every week the pigs get out and you, you need to deal with that exactly. you don't do marketing that's okay, but block that time out and create a, so I could go through this whole thing where we create a piece of content that's going to be relevant to your audience and then get it out to as wide an audience as possible through sending it to an email list. I really like email marketing, so hopefully we'll get some time to talk about email marketing, to post that on Facebook, to post that on Twitter if you want to try that. Post that on a blog on your website so people all come back to your website. But the idea is to really have this written out so you know these are the 10 steps I need to do on Tuesday morning. I bang that out and then I can get back to doing the things that, you know, that I you need love. to do. Yeah. Yeah. Rather than, you know, messing around with this stuff hours a day. And, and as a caveat, you know, some of the farms that I see doing amazing with social media love doing social media, right? They they just right. get a lot of energy from it. Yeah, and more power to you if you're if you're sitting on the tractor and uh, Snapchatting. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know if anyone's doing that, but um, <laughs> probably <laughs> more you know more power to you, and 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 you should be doing that stuff. But for the farmers, most farmers I deal with, they'd rather be growing food than worrying about their, you know, engagement stats on Facebook or something like that. Right. And so, so it's all about creating a system. Cool. And you mentioned it. Let's talk about email marketing. What about it? I really like email marketing because you can start to build an audience uh-huh. and it's an audience with no filter, right? What's that mean? That if you, it's great for someone to like you on Facebook. Oh yes. That's fine. But in the end, there it's it's up to facebook to show that con- like whatever you post right. the next day the yep. next week the next year it's up to facebook to sort of decide for that uh-huh. and they're a publicly traded corporation that wants to make money and so in the end they're probably going to force you to pay to access those people and you know in, in a lot of cases that may make sense you know paid facebook advertising may make sense in a lot of ways uh-huh. but if you get their email address yeah. Then you can send them emails whenever you want till they unsubscribe, and you know that'll be just as good in five or ten years as it is now. And and you know, for all the talk about you know social media taking over our landscape, still the center of our lives are email. You know, I've, yes, I was actually exactly. just doing a little work between things in a coffee shop this morning, and you look at everyone with their computer in there, and it just occurred to me like. What do you see people doing when they're in that coffee shop? They're in there. You see them on Gmail, right? You see right. that's that's where their work is. You know that's yeah. that's where they are. So, so email you just can hit you can hit them hit hit people where you where they are, and it costs very little. Yeah, that's why I really like email marketing. Yeah, I I actually started collecting emails in I'm going to say 2001. Wow. Uh, well, I, yeah, I have a deep technology background. I started my first software company in 1984. Mm-hmm. And so I saw as the emails emerged, I saw it as a great way to communicate with people. Cause I used to, in my software company, I used to print flyers, put stamps on them and stick them in the mail. Mm-hmm. And you know, for each one of those I was doing, it was going to it was costing me a buck. 
Yeah. Right. And so when I saw emails coming, it was like, oh, wow, there's something magical. Yeah. So, you know, that really worked for, for me back then. And, and you know, it's still to this day, it works. And it sounds to me like that you're really encouraging people to do that. Well, yeah. I mean, just look at the stats. It's the average open rate that we see. So open rate would be like the percentage of people that open an email that you send. That's uh -huh. like the definition of open rate. If you're yep. using a, a system like MailChimp or Constant Contact or there's a million of these, yeah. they're going to tell you what your open rate is. They're going to tell you what your click-through rate is. That's yep. the number of people that click on the e mm -hmm. email. But open rate is a general thing where we think about that's, that, that's the percentage of people that are engaging with that email. Yeah. And I think industry-wide, it's something like under 20% wow. usually. Uh -huh. A lot of our farms see like 30 to 40% yep. open rates. That shows that you know, they're, they're more engaged with that. But, yeah. but take that to Facebook or take that to Twitter even worse. Um, what's, the, what's the engagement rate on oh that? Oh, my yeah, gosh. Think, yeah, it's what? Like depending, it's like 6 or 7% or something like that. Wow. Um, so I don't know. Uh, I just see emails are really, and one really interesting thing, and I'm not sure if you got a chance to check this out, but we've actually been, uh, email has changed, right? With like Gmail having the three tabs, like the promotions tab right, and everything. Exactly. Yep. Uh, so I, I do think the effectiveness of email may be going down a little bit. One thing we've been really experimenting with the last couple of years is text messages yeah. for fun marketing. We we have a text message platform called FarmFan, which I guess I haven't talked about yet. No. Uh, but but it's for farmers markets and for people who sell at farmers markets to be able to build a list of their customers that want to come to each market and send them a text message about an hour or two before the farmers market, whatever schedule they want to do. Whoa. Uh, but we're really finding that that really drives sales. Like if you can, if you can get someone on their phone, on their text message and say, mm -hmm. Hey, come down to the market. We have X, Y, and Z and send it to exactly the right time when they're making that decision to come to the market. Yep, exactly. Um, you know, we have some stats that's like, I forget what they are off the top of my head, but it's something like 90% of, of recipients say that that's, that's important or like very important for them to come to the market each week. You know, wow. it's just like um, phenomenal open rates yeah. and engagement rates. So. Wow, cool. Fantastic. Well, I'm going to shift a little bit on you, and I'd like for you to talk about a time you failed, how you overcame that failure, and what you might have learned from it. One thing we tried a couple years ago was to build a technology platform for CSAs to help uh, with education around CSA shares. So we talked a little bit about yep. the CSA model, and right. one thing that was a big problem with the CSA model is you're giving people this box of produce, and it's raw raw vegetables and a yeah. lot of people don't know how to cook these days and oftentimes the farms will try to send some recipes or some yeah. cook instructions with it but we were trying to build a tool around helping them with that and so it was going to be like a newsletter tool and we would provide sort of the recipes and maybe videos and uh, build a whole thing around educating people to be more successful with their CSA share. You know, that never quite got off the ground, I think, for a couple of reasons. We didn't have a great technology implementation. We tried to build it too big without making sure yeah. there was a market there. Uh -huh. uh, we talked a little bit earlier about you know, making sure that the farm has a market for what they sell. Yep. I think that in the technology world, we do the same thing all the time. It's like, it's really fun to build things or it's really fun to grow things. Um, and we don't make sure that there's a market there. And I think yeah. that's 
that's what I did there. And I don't think I was solving a big enough of a problem for people too. You know, it was a problem, but was it a problem that farms could afford to pay for? Maybe not. Maybe they were yeah. trying to limp along like it was. So the revenue model wasn't quite right. And uh, so it sort of moved on from that over time. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, it's, but there's so many, I think in, in, in a lot of technology companies, you, you, need, you need to try a lot of different things. Yeah. But, but you wish you didn't fail on so many of them, though, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think so. in, in a lot of cases, you were just before your time. I know I tried some technology things in the mid-aughts. I guess that's what they call it now, right? The mid-aughts. Mm-hmm. And we just didn't have the, the technology to be able to do it effectively. I think my first website that I did for my company, Your Guide to Green, it was a $60,000 website. And, you know, now the technology for setting up a website is twenty four ninety five a month. Right. You know, so I think, I think you were just before your time, my man. Right. And uh, it, it's funny how things come around. Like, that's still a problem. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and so some of the new things we're doing around, uh, which I don't think we have time to get into today, but we're working to sort of develop a new model for CSA farms to better engage their customers. Mm -hmm. So we're taking on the problem in a little bit more holistic of a way, but part of it is this education piece, helping, uh, helping with the education. So I think that that's what I see a lot of times is like maybe the specific way that I was trying to solve a problem didn't work, but it, they always seem to like come around again. I'm like, oh, yeah. I was thinking about that five years ago. You <laughs> exactly. Know? <laughs> so, exactly. So maybe, think, a, maybe a lesson here is to say persistent. Well, that's one thing. I mean, uh, that, that I think that I, you know, I don't think that I'm the smartest guy in the room, but I have showed up every day for the last 10 years and done this stuff, you know? <laughs> that's that's so. really, I think, what makes you the smartest guy in the room. <laughs> what do you consider your biggest success? I'd consider my biggest success is just being able to build a economically sustainable business around farming and working in farms and so i just feel daily glad that i mm. found a way to work with farms Beautiful. and make a decent living off of it and you know hire good people and pay them well and right. do a good job for my customers and i think that i've built up a lot of trust within the farming community or the CSA community, especially. So I just feel really lucky to be able to do the work that I do on a daily basis. And so I, maybe I could pick one of the specific things we've done, but I just think in general to be able to do this work is something that, that that's really special. Yeah. I can hear that in, in your voice. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what drives you? What's your big why? Yeah, I, it's it's funny. That's been a little bit of a journey for me over the past couple of years, and it probably it always always will be and always has. But you know, at a certain point, I was like, well, you know, uh, I, and just to be honest with you, I was like, I, I really understand technology well. Maybe I should be instead of just working with farms, I should try to find some other industry where I can apply this stuff. And mm-hmm. you know, there's other exciting ways to apply technology, and I understand that. Let's do that. And so I was looking around at that for a while, but then I just kept coming back to farms and I just feel like that, that's my unique thing that I can give is really understanding farms. So what I came down to is what really drives me is is this process is that I really want to help farms have a profitable, sustainable business because I think that it's, it's really important for farms to be taking care of the land in a way that's 
that's ethical and that you know will sustain this land for the long term but it's a it's a great thing for customers to be able to have a farm that they a farmer that they can know and like i'm not really uh, i love growing things but i'm not really like really idealistic about that part of it or Mm -hmm. i don't really the, the the romance of it doesn't really doesn't really work for me as, as much as maybe it works for other people. So I really see it from a business perspective is that yeah. I want to help people have good businesses. And if they have good businesses, I believe that they will take care of their land, take care of their yeah. employees, take care of their customers. And so really it's just like helping farms be profitable, yeah. period. That's what I'm about. Nice. However I can get there, that's what I want to do. Yeah. You know, you and I are a lot alike in that arena. I do education and I teach and really quite honestly growing food is my hobby mm. you know it's it's what gets done um in the spaces between my sitting at my desk and we you know Heidi and I grow food for ourselves and some friends mm-hmm. and I think for me and I can I'll project this on you that that makes a huge impact in the world and thank you for that so I'm all about education and I have to know is there one book that has been influential for you in this process well, one book that I'm not sure that it is exactly on the terms of what we've been talking about, but one thing that one book that's really been influential for me this year uh-huh. is a book called "Wherever You Go, There You Are." Oh yes, uh, do you know this? I have a copy of it. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And so that I think for me as a business owner and entrepreneur, that's been really helpful to just really sort of appreciate where where I am, where the work that I do, and really, like, I, oftentimes, when I, and I'm sure, like, people who, you know, thinking about starting a farm, this is the same way, they sort of envision in their head what the farm's going to look like, right, mm-hmm. and, and what's going to happen, you sort of want to be there, at, uh, and, and you have this feeling like, I just want to get to the end of it, and, and, and have this perfectly realized vision, and yeah. so... What I think that book really teaches you about is just really enjoying the whole process yep. and that it's just about, it really is about the journey. And that's so cliched, but, but it really is. It you really know? is, yeah. And, and it's about the people you help. And, and I just think that that book just, it gives you some internal stillness to, to enjoy that. And it's just so beautifully written. And yeah. um, I think that, you know, they're very short little essays. And so if you could just read, if you just read like one a day and they're like two pages long each, it's just, it is a wonderfully grounding experience yeah. to sort of take everything else out and, and, and do the good work that you're going to do in the world. <laughs> Beautiful. So what one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners? I'd say just get started. You know, if you, if you want to start a farm, then, you know, like you were mentioning, Greg, it's find a chef that you can grow for, find a couple friends that you can grow for, just get out there and do it. Like, don't put it off another year. Find yeah. a way to get involved in, in just a small part. If you can't do that, join a CSA farm. Go out. Localharvest.org is a great place to oh, yes. search for search for a local CSA farm. Join a CSA farm. Go you pick. I don't know. Just find a way to get involved in local agriculture. Buy from local farms. I just think that that's – we could all be – buying a lot more from our local farms um, if we try a little bit harder. That's one thing that, you know, I've been doing, of, of course I've done, been in CSAs all this time and, and, and buy from people as much as I can, but I've been buying way more meat and, you know, milk and eggs. And that's what really supports farmers is, is the dollars in the bank. Yeah. And I think so, so much of the time we think that we're maybe, 
you know, supporting local farms or buying local, but we could be doing more. And it really is a, a beautiful thing, both on both on the production side and the growing side. Yeah. So I say get out there and do it. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show and sharing your experience with us today, Simon. It has been a treat getting to chat with you. Yeah, thanks. It's been really fun. So how can our listeners get a hold of you? Where they where can they find you? What about your new book? Tell us about that. Yeah, so the new book is Cultivating Customers, A Farmer's Guide to Online Marketing. It is out on October 3rd. Nice. They can find some information on our website about it if they go to smallfarmcentral.com. Mm-hmm. It'll also be on Amazon. It's available for pre-order now, and then the paperback will be available on October 3rd. They can email me. Um, we talked about email marketing, so uh-huh. I'll have people email me. Uh, it's, it's simon at smallfarmcentral.com, and I'm always just happy to listen. And if you have any questions about marketing or how to get started or if I can be resourced in any way, I really do take that seriously. Yeah. And so please write me an email, and, um, and I'll respond. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much, and that's it for today. Thanks for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast. Decades ago, I started growing food in my front and backyard, and I realized that my mission in life is to inspire and empower others to grow their own nutrient-dense, healthy, organic food. Because of this, a lot of people have come to me with their gardening questions over the years, and that got me thinking, what if we put together a community that would help budding gardeners blossom? So I finally made the idea a reality with my Urban Farm U member program. Each month, your membership includes three live online events, a monthly class, a chit-chat with an expert, and a monthly coaching session, plus access to the experts on our member page and a significant discount on our signature courses. I'm deeply committed to transforming our global food system, and I do this by empowering you to grow your own food. The Urban Farm Membership Program is a simple way to get going. Please join me in transforming your food system today. To learn more, go to urbanfarmmembership.org or text membership to 33444. That's urbanfarmmembership.org or text membership to 33444. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen three days a week for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. One of the first things that many of us learn when we start to garden is how to water and fertilize the soil. But there is an exception to this rule and it's called foliar feeding. You should foliar feed or water the leaves of your plant with liquid fertilizer when you want certain nutrients to be absorbed better. Not only are the leaves great at uptaking liquid fertilizer, if your soil isn't very good or your pH is off, foliar feeding can help your veggies and fruit trees quickly get the nutrients they need to thrive. If you're ready to start foliar feeding for maximum growth yields and quality, head on over to urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves to see our selection of foliar feeding products. That's urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves.